Welcome into the Tailgate Podcast. Today we are looking at the AFC and NFC North Division previews. Going to preview every single team in each of those divisions. Also at the back end of the show, a mailbag slash trivia question segment. Get your questions answered by following PFF underscore Tailgate and DMing the show. And at the back end, interviews with Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly. Mike Renner could barely keep himself from drooling. And then also Oklahoma running back Kennedy Brooks also goes by KB. Let's get it. Not a lot of news today, Mike. The Catch an Early Buzz segment is barren. Anything of note that you saw? I mean, there's obviously a lot of transactions today, but all of them are practice squad level, bottom of the barrel transactions. I was going to say, we got all newsed out. All newsed out from the massive Monday, Tuesday spree of cuts, trades, wavings, claimings, all that. And now you kind of got bottom of the barrel scraping for last man on your 53. It's not... It's, it's fantasy time is what it is. It's yeah. fantasy draft time. Absolutely. You catch early buzz right now. Go to PFF.com and use promo code KICKOFF30 to subscribe to PFF and get access to all of our fantasy content analysis, etc. We never talked about the Bishop Sycamore thing, though. Oh, yeah, we did. I, like I wanted before- to talk about a Monday show, and you're like, this isn't really a story. And I'm like, this is up. actually wild. No, like, it no, blew up. It trust blew me, up. this is a story. Your takes. Um, hilarious. And, and uh, it's kind of interesting because there was a, a team like that that kind of formed – um, so I played just for some backstory. I played in the super small conference in basketball and it's like a, with a bunch of other like small, like Catholic schools in the central Illinois area. And all of a sudden one year, one of them had this new coach come in who started like recruiting players nationally. And all of a sudden there was this, t- they were a terrible, terrible team, like, uh, not good basketball. And all of a sudden they had like four division one recruits on their team and just how shit housed us. Like this team just like ran all over us. And they started playing like national games. And it reminded me of that. Just like, how do those things come to into existence? I don't know. But it always seems slimy. Like anytime it's like the coach seems like he's kind of a dirtball every time those things kind of come together. And that's uh that's Bishop Sycamore. I appreciate the grind. You know, I appreciate the grind of the coaches and the players trying to make that happen. I don't, because it always feels like you're taking advantage of kids when you when like Fair those enough. things are the case. Like Fair it's enough. always like you're using if these anything, kids though, IMG... for your benefit to try to make yourself look good. If anything, IMG took, you know, benefited themselves, blown them out 56-0. But yeah, blow either way. Out, so. I think the, the biggest L is obviously ESPN. Like that was, how do you not vet to the point where you know yeah. it's a real school? Yeah, it was basically like the Manti Teo story again. Mm-hmm. Like ESPN just like no background checking, no vetting of a, a thing that looked like it was very easy to vet if a school exists or not. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't exist. What were your favorite and least favorite tried jokes from bishop okay. sycamore i saw the manti teo girlfriend cheerleads for bishop sycamore no short of fifty-five thousand times yeah the manti teo one was played that one wasn't a great one I, you know any manti teo jokes just in this day and age it's mm-hmm. over like that the ship has sailed not just even as a notre dame homer it's as anyone in polite society it's too the joke was too beat to death um i think my favorite ones were uh, people saying they're declaring for Bishop Sycamore or like Cam Newton to Bishop Sycamore. That's was, not that bad. One, that one wasn't Because that ties recency with recency yeah. Newton being released. That's not bad. That one wasn't too bad. All right. But no more. You don't make a Bishop stop. Sycamore Can joke we anymore. Stop. It's over. It's uh, kneecaps. We'll add it to the list. Kneecaps, Bishop Sycamore. If you're trying those, you, I don't care how clever it is, you're going to fail. 
Let's go ahead and get into these AFC and NFC North division previews. The rebrand to tailgate allows us to approach these a little bit more, you know, uh, consistently attacking every single team in the NFL. Also, you don't um, have to mention the rebrand. They don't care. That's true. People don't care. No, I don't know. Cares. Football talk. Yeah, no one cares. Okay. All right, let's start with the AFC North, Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to read off some numbers here first, and then we dive into some of the specifics. Yes, PFF sir. power ranking heading into 2021 NFL season, the number five overall team. Their PFF projected wins are 9.8, whereas DraftKings has their over-under win total at 11.0. Playoff odds sit at 60% in 2021, the sixth best odds of any team. That is what I have from a number standpoint. Yes, and I will be giving the fatal flaw. The, reason, the mo- biggest reason to be concerned about all these respective teams heading into this season. To me, for the Ravens, it's the passing attack. It's the fact that Lamar Jackson in the playoffs has earned a 58.2 passing grade, averaged 209 passing yards a game in his career, and 13 points per game as an offense. And yes, they drafted Rashad Bateman in the first round, but he's hurt. Your stats quo in your passing attack. Coming into this season, you have the same weapons that you did. Now, Rashad Bama come back, but he's still a rookie wide receiver. Relying on him to make that difference, I don't know if it's going to. So, basically, you have to hope that Lamar Jackson, year four, looks like a different passer yeah. against better defenses. Because with, a worse, with a still not-so-great receiving core. If you just look at his splits against teams that play in Ohio versus teams that don't play in Ohio, it's kind of concerning. <laughs> it is. It straight up is. He has feasted on the Bengals and Browns in his career. And has looked, has graded out as an average quarterback against every other team in the NFL. So is that a shot at the Browns and Bengals defenses? Yeah. Oh, I mean, for sure it is. Yeah. They sucked the past couple of years until Browns last season were fine. Where are you ranking their skill group with Rashad Bateman's sideline? Marquise Brown, Sammy Watkins, James Prochet, Mark Andrews, and Gus Edwards. That group is hodgepodge. From a receiving course standpoint, mm. you love my hodgepodge. hodgepodge. Again. You love my hodgepodge. I do think the Gus Ed- from J.K. Dobbins to Gus Edwards is not a massive change, obviously, even though uh, you know with PFF yeah. and how we view the running back position. But I do think this receiving course still isn't good, and we still need to see a lot more from Marquise Brown before we feel that all that confident he can be a true number one in the NFL. Well, it's just Marquise Brown doesn't fit to what Lamar Jackson does well. Yeah, like Marquise Brown is a vertical go ball outside the numbers threat. That's not Lamar Jackson's game. Uh, straight up hasn't been where he's accurate with the football. He's accurate over the middle of the field, tight windows there, throwing with anticipation. That's his game. That's why Mark Andrews is just crushes in that offense. He is tailor-made for what Lamar Jackson does. Rashad Bateman should be. When he comes back, he should be able to do those things. But until then, until he proves it, it's TBD. So I do think they are improved in that regard, but still not quite where you want to be and they take some some step back some steps back along the defensive line so you know Yannick Ngakwe no Matthew Judon I was going to argue that their defense will still be still be good yeah yeah I mean they've been top two in scoring last two seasons Mm -hmm. they are a good defense you don't go from top two in scoring with the secondary they have to trash but I I don't think you can we've said defense can be fickle I don't think you can necessarily say for sure they're going to be top two again Final question, would you take the over 11.0 wins or the under 11.0 wins? Right now, PFF projects them at 9.8. I take the under. I like the under just because this division. Mm -hmm. The division's too tough, man. The division is, I'll say it, it's the best division in football. It is top to bottom, very, very good. You have three, I think the Steelers are getting maybe 
a little underrated Absolutely. at this point. Absolutely. Uh, Sam Monson wrote a piece for PFF.com, you know, targeting, I think it comes out next week, you know, highlighting why the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, after that kind of late season collapse, have gotten to the point where they're underrated. I think they're going to see some positive regression from Big Ben. The offensive line is still a concern, but it hasn't we'll played to that. We'll get to, we'll get to that. that. We'll get to but, that. But, all right. but three, three top 13 teams in the PFF power rankings. That's a tough division. Absolutely. All right. Cleveland Browns are next on my list. The ninth ranked team on PFF's power rankings uh, projected at 10.5 wins. And DraftKings has their over under at 10.5 wins. They have the fifth best playoff odds at 70%. And I'll say this. On paper, have one of the more complete rosters in the NFL, offensively and defensively. Up there, I'd argue with the Bills and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's how good defensively and offensively this Browns team is. The, yeah, the only reason you wouldn't put them in the same conversation, because they should be in the same conversation as the Chiefs and Bills, they straight up went to Arrowhead and were very close to being the Chiefs. Now it took Patrick Mahomes getting injured, but they were right there neck and neck, even when Patrick Mahomes did get injured. They were right there with them. So this team deserves to be in that conversation. They have improved on seemingly both sides of the ball from what they were throwing out in that game against the Chiefs with Odell Beckham returning and defensively all they added this offseason. They should be in that conversation. The only thing is, and it's the fatal flaw, Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham. That combo. Why hasn't it worked? No. That is for God and Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham to decide, to understand why. I don't know why it hasn't worked. But I mean, even in that game that Odell Beckham gets hurt, Baker Mayfield starts, what, 0 for 6 with a pick? And the pick was to Odell and then doesn't have an incompletion besides the spike the rest of the game. Something is off between those two. Has been off. The connection has not been there. One of the lowest passer ratings for a number one targeted wide receiver on a team in the NFL over the last two seasons. Why is that? Again, we don't know. But it has not worked there in Cleveland. So maybe it works this year. Maybe maybe it was just the fact that it was Freddie Kitchens the first year and that he, Baker was just getting his feet wet in Kevin Stefanski's offense next year. Maybe that is why. And we just didn't get to see it with Odell healthy. And he'll come back and they'll light the world on fire. Maybe that's maybe that will be the case. But until that does happen, I'm not ready to put them in that conversation, like I said, with the Bills, with the Chiefs, but they really should be talentless. DraftKings has Odell Beckham Jr. at 925 and a half receiving yards over under. We project him at 988. Is there not a happy medium with Odell? I feel like you have talked about it a ton and that Baker just has not played well with Odell and the data backs that up 100%. But is there a chance that they're just okay? Like everyone, I don't think it has to be, for them to be Super Bowl competitive, I don't think Odell has to light the NFL on fire. Like he just has to be not awful. Like the, the Baker-Odell tandem can't be awful for this team to be Super Bowl competitive. And I just think there is a chance, a good chance that they have a happy medium and Odell doesn't lead the NFL in receiving yards, but actually returns to, to competent play. Yeah, I mean, there, it should. There's there's no reason why it should didn't. But again, until I see it, I can believe it. Moving to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wait, wait, I could give that over under win total. You're not going to. Oh, give sorry, a take sorry, on sorry. It? I will. PFF wins at ten and a half. D okay. DraftKings has it at ten and a half over under. Whew. It's going to be under season on this pod. I can feel it going over ten and a half. Wow. I'm all in. I'm all in. Browns are. We're going to do full, once we get through all the divisions, full predictions. But they're my NFC, AFC North prediction. So then when you argue you know, against PFS power rankings, Ravens right now number five, Browns at number nine, that the Browns are a better team than Baltimore. Well, I mean, yeah, if I'm picking them, yeah. But yes, right. I, I think Browns are a top five team in the NFL. 
Pittsburgh Steelers, power ranking number 13 team in the NFL. I think people who follow the PFF social media accounts maybe thought they'd be bottom five. They're not. Number 13 team in the NFL. PFF wins at 7.7. According to our projections, DraftKings has them at 8.5 for an over-under win total. Their playoff odds sit at 29%, tied for 26th in the NFL. Where I want to start with Pittsburgh is should this passing game not be good? Like, Everyone, you know, craps on Ben Rothsberger for low average of the target and gets the ball out too quick and, and, and never is, you know, chasing these explosive plays. I love this receiving core, even with Juju Smith-Schuster, who I'm not as high on as others are. But like Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster is a, you know, top flight. I call top 10 receiving core in the NFL. And Big Ben, as bad as he looked last year, unless he completely disintegrates, which I don't know if we see happening, I think this Big Ben, you know, like you said, the Pittsburgh Steelers are underrated. See, I, I'm not so much as worried about Big Ben himself as I am worried about the combination of Big Ben and that offensive line because you have Chikuma Korafor and Zach Banner as your tackles. I think the interior is going to be all right. You got Kevin Dotson, Trey Turner, Kendrick Green. I think you're fine there. Like, that's serviceable. But Chakua McCorfor got dogged this preseason. Zach Banner have not seen, like, there's a reason that he couldn't even start over Chakua McCorfor last year. Banner's um, also starting the season on the injured reserve oh, and will miss the first three weeks of the season. Oh, okay. Well, shit. I, who's the starting right tackle? Then? Not great. Not great. <laughs> not great, Bob. Uh, it, it's the offensive line there with, combined with Ben Roethlisberger because you could see Roethlisberger, like, when a guy gets hurt, which he did as a massive injury where you're out for a season – Mentally, it could change you. you. You can be afraid of getting hurt. And I thought last season he played as if he didn't want to get hit. And it was like when Derek Carr came back from that ankle, you just look like a different guy under pressure for a little bit. Now, is he still going to be the case again this year? TBD. I'm not exactly sure. But he was playing football like a guy who was trying not to get hurt again last year. You can't play like that in the NFL, especially, again, behind this offensive line. If that's how he's going to play, it could go south quickly. I'm not going to call him washed up, but I just think that mentally that is where he is right now. So, and Especially, though, I'll add, too, when you're in such a good division. like You can't afford yeah. to rely on defense and be conservative offensively. I think the options they have at right tackle with Banner out for at least three weeks, Joe Haig and Dan Moore Jr., the rookie fourth rounder, who actually graded really well this preseason, but still. Going down to your backup offensive lineman on a what is right now, according to PFF, a 31st-ranked offensive line in the NFL, that is probably the fatal flaw, right? The fatal flaw, as you highlighted, over not Big Ben, not the defense, you know, regressing from last year. It is this offensive line. Yeah, and then I would even drill a little deeper and just say these tackles, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tackles, tackles are pass protection. I is what I got to coin that phrase. Tackles are pass protection. You have two good tackles, you have good pass protection for the most part because. Not a lot of you, you can kind of piece together guards and center centers. Offensive if, line Twitter wants you dead. I know, but if you have two good tackles, if you ha- I mean, it's like kind of like the Chiefs the past handful of years. They, they haven't they've been throwing out a mishmash of guards and centers, Lauren Duvernay, Tardif, whatever, like guys who are kind of they found off the scrap heap, but they had but it worked because you have Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher basically who you can trust to win one on one every time, and you don't have to chip, you don't have to have tight ends stay in you don't have to do these other things that will bring your offense to its knees or kind of change the structure of your offense you have two tackles that you can count on to operate so that's how i feel and i feel the opposite way about steelers off the tackles i think the data backing that take is also that the worst guard or center in the nfl allows 
30 pressures in a single season, whereas the worst offensive tackle in the NFL allow 80-plus, 90-plus. You can have legitimate liabilities at tackle if you aren't, if they are good, and I would argue that the Steelers are not. Moving forward to the Cincinnati Bengals. Give the over-under DK wins. I suck. 7.7 PFF wins is what we're projecting. DraftKings has it at 8.5. Over or under 8.5 wins, Mike? Over. 8.5 wins. Wow. Because... It's still an elite defense. It is still a top three. Like I feel, we talked about the Ravens being number two in score, two in scoring defense last year. I believe it was number two. Steelers are going to be still on the top five. They still they they are top to bottom, a top two to three D line in the NFL. You've got Joe Schobert for pennies to pair with Devin Bush, who comes back, and you still have a secondary Hayden Fitzpatrick. You still have enough playmakers in that secondary to get by to where I think that that can get you in the building, especially with the wide receiver talent they have. Like they, This team is good enough to go over eight and a half. Cincinnati Bengals, the fourth-ranked team in the AFC North, according to PFF. They're power-ranking the number 27 overall team. PFF has their wins at 7.5, according to our projections, and DraftKings has it at 6.5, already favoring the over in Cincinnati. Playoff odds at 28%, just 1% lower than the Steelers, and the 28th-ranked team in playoff odds. Cincinnati, is it not... What does this offense? I, I think it's Zach Taylor. I think it's Zach Taylor is the is the fatal flaw for the Bengals in that he has no excuses, in my opinion, even with that offensive line, no excuses to not put together with Joe Burrow and that receiving core a top fifteen offense. And if they don't, I think that could be it for Zach. So yeah, the fatal flaw to me is the coaching staff, unchanged the coordinator positions and head coach from last year. Two years of that staff of the staff intact. They have not finished above 26th in EPA per play on either side of the ball in either year of their tenure. And now, I'm not saying that they are should have been making the playoffs with the talent they have. They're, they're obviously not a playoff caliber roster. But if you were a good coaching staff, you could overcome. Like it is a it, this this is a defense that had talent enough to be an average defense last year. An offense that had talent enough to be an average offense last year—they weren't close on either of them. Exactly, and I think that's, that's why that thing. that number fifteen number is the most important. Like, I'm not even asking top ten. Like, they need to show they can be an average to slightly above, above average offense, even with a 25th ranked offensive line according to PFF. Like, bottom tenure, they added Riley Reef. They obviously drafted Jackson Carmen. They let go of Michael Jordan. It's it's going to be interesting to see where this offensive line performs. But I don't think it's the death knell. I don't think it's the fatal flaw. I honestly think it's play the cards you're dealt. And were they dealt a good offensive line? No, but I'd lean Steelers having more wins in a lot of ways. And obviously their defense is a lot better in those things. But still, I don't know. The Bengals, in my opinion, early after the draft were kind of this sleeper to win the AFC North. I remember some people talking about their odds and, mm-hmm. and maybe, you know, they're better odds than the Steelers. I like them more than the Steelers. Now, I don't know, especially with bank, you know Joe Burrow's injury. And I just don't have a ton of confidence in this in this coaching staff improving leaps and bounds. Yeah. So DraftKings has them six and a half wins. Take the under. Uh, taking that one yeah that's I just, too good of a division exactly a lot of question marks are how many games are they winning in the division how many times have they beaten the browns and the ravens zero i just that it would take a it would be a tough ask for them to beat either of those teams maybe you take one from the steelers so you're one and five in that division that's just i i don't see i just they're too much of an uphill climb and again with the staff with burrow coming off the acl having barely played this preseason I mean, what? He had, he had a throw. He had a screen this preseason. A drop by Jamar Chase. Yeah. And then the Jamar Chase drops and whatnot. I, I just, I don't trust this 
roster, sadly. I, I, I also think, think it's I don't a think roster. they're too far away. I don't I, think they're too far away, just not this year. When you're considering you know, kind of bottom feeder teams, you know, like, like we said, the number 27 ranked team on PFS power rankings, I think something I think about a ton is that this is a team that has to stay near perfectly healthy because they lack depth at so many different positions to actually even hit the high side of where they should be. Because offensive line's already bad. Receiving core is obviously talented, but still you lose one of those big names. And again, like the tight end room is one of the worst in the NFL. Defensively, this has been, like you said, a 26-ranked defense over the past two years. That's concerning. I will say, they got a goddamn steal getting B.J. Hill for Billy Price. B.J. Hill is a quality run defending defense tackle. And now that the Giants have like six of them on their roster. Like they, they could afford to lose him. I'm not going to say the Giants... I can say it's a bad deal for the Giants, but great deal for the Bengals because they weren't they weren't going to start Billy Price, and now they get a starting DT for him. Uh, not that it moves the needle too much, but I'm just saying like that great move that we didn't really talk about much. BJ Hill pushes their win total above eight, <laughs> according to PFF. No, he is a talented yeah. player, and I think anytime you're getting talent proven, not necessarily proven, but Maybe he is proven, proven talent like B.J. Hill for the, as low of a pick as they had. I think that's great. Sponsor here from DraftKings. The NFL is back. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for week one. Bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive $200 in free bets instantly. No matter what, take advantage of this limited-time offer. Now you heard right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any week one game. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts. Plus, you can make every game a big game with same game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code PFF to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. For a limited time offer at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only new customers only restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in indiana 1-800-9 with it did you fucking rock that read i you crushed were, that read. after your performance what was that monday i i just steadily improved big bounce back i'm just about a massive bounce back for your boys so when you're betting futures that's not going to give you your free 200 dollars. you need to bet on a week one game go to pff greenline on pff.com to identify value there was value yeah. earlier early in the slate on the Jets. I think that has changed now. Yeah, but And move out of Ohio. And move, Oh, yeah, you have to bet in those New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. But, you know, you can't win them all. You can't win them all. NFC North, starting with your Green Bay Packers. PFF yeah. Power Ranking, the number four overall team in, according to PFS Power Rankings, their win projection is actually an 11, which is high. When you're projecting, like, the mean projection for wins, you often see lower than what DraftKings will have. But yeah. still, DraftKings at 10... For the season. So you could maybe be leaning the over, according to PFF. Their odds for the playoffs is 81%, the third best odds in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, just love where Aaron Rodgers is at mentally. He's just free. He's like that. Uh, he's taking no prisoners. Yeah, it, he really is. I, I do think he's going to run it back in a big way. Like they're, they're, I was worried about the offensive line. Uh, that was their fatal flaw. You got Bakhtiari on the pup. You got Poppy. Corey Lindsley over in L.A. doing his thing. So you're replacing him with Elkton Jenkins kicking out to left tackle, which I'm actually not too worried about that. Elkton's dude. He's going to be fine there. But then kicking inside, probably Lucas Patrick, Royce Newman, your starting guard tandem there. But Royce Newman looked good this preseason. Josh Myers, okay so far. TBD on when he actually you know has to face a real deal nose tackle. But it's not going to be – it's not going to be kind of – it's not going to be a liability. You're, you have a good offensive line still. I'd say top 
15 offensive line in the NFL. And when we had top 15 offensive line in the NFL, you couldn't be an elite offense. I so think all of this, all of your hype around Green Bay is this offense. Is Aaron Rodgers yeah. on a complete tear with Devontae Adams, this last dance mantra that they're chasing? Mm-hmm. Even with, you know, what's going to be an injured offensive line for at least six weeks for the, of the season, I still feel really confident in them coming out guns a-blazing. Now, I would not position them ahead of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I do think that's the best team in the NFC. I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to go out and be crazy and say that. Like, this is not a complete roster. They have holes. Wide receiver two is still an issue. Um, defensively, cornerback two, still an issue. Linebacking core is nothing short of cheeks. Like, it's not good, but that doesn't, we just saw, you know, uh, over in LA, number one scoring defense had a worse linebacker core last year. So that's not a massive, massive issue. There are holes, but this team is going to light up scoreboards. They have still an ex- insanely talented secondary outside 100%. of that cornerback two position with their safeties, Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, obviously Alexander, a top three cornerback in the NFL, only improving should be, and it's still a good pass rush. So I'm, I'm going over 10 wins. I think over 10 wins, it's just health. Stay healthy. This team goes over ten wins. I, for especially for you know seventeen game schedule, yeah, this is still a team that should uh, should own the North again. Yeah, I would lean the over here, sticking with where PFF projects this team. I, one more question I have for you is that cornerback two spot. I guess both wide receiver two and cornerback two. Who should be the starter for both those? Whew. So as much as Kevin King got absolutely toasted, yeah, buttered, Jalen Mills, creamed, whatever you want to say, Jalen Mills. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he's not. He was not that bad. Like that was the worst game he's ever played in his NFL career. He he had been better than that. Obviously, had been returning back from injury. Was not the same. It's not like you're. He's not a complete complete liability. I think you should see better play from Kevin King this season. Um, so I I, I do think that is he starts. Um, obviously, it's still you're still not great. You're still not where you'd like to be at the cornerback position. Uh, Eric Stokes, we'll, we'll see how he does. He looked a little up and down this preseason. Obviously, limited reps didn't get enough to see about him to really know. But relying on rookie cornerbacks always a difficult task. So that's kind of how I feel about the defense. Like it's good enough with how elite this offense is. It's good enough, especially when other teams you know they have to pass. But it's it's not their strength for sure. On to the Minnesota Vikings, PFF's tied for 18th team, according to our power rankings, projected at 7.8 wins. DraftKings likes them a little bit more. Eight and a half wins is where their win total is currently positioned. Their playoff odds at 34%, the 19th best team in the NFL. I'll say this. How much is Eric Eager? A, I, I know. A known Vikings hater. I think he has a caveat in this model for any team that starts Kirk Cousins. Fair. He's like, if Kirk Cousins is your starting quarterback, it's like a... Uh, like a log function multiplier that didn't make sense what the um, hell where it just like it, it inverts inverts your win total to i'm still how good I'm is still figuring Cousins? that one nerd out. shit is basically what it nerd is. shit yeah. nerd, nerd shit. shit quinn coming over the basically top. takes it down a notch so I, I think they're being a little harsh on them I, I think this is going to be a top five defense in the nfl really i do patrick peterson i i think he was kind of done in arizona himself he, he down year last year was I don't think he's he's only 30 years old like I don't think he is washed up I just think that was kind of end of his run he needs a new change of scenery I like Cam Dantzler into year two him by the end of last season was a quality starter and he was played very well down the stretch you have obviously Harrison Smith still there you get a lot of money Daniel Hunter back and you have the biggest thing 
actual defensive tackles this year. You can actually stop the run with your front four. Daniel Hunter, Michael Pierce, Dalvin Tomlinson. That is enough to stop the run. And Sheldon Richardson there as well. You have guys there that can do it. So I and and Mike Zimmer, as much whatever say what you want about him as a head coach, defensive minds in the NFL, he's probably top three defensive mind. That guy knows how to scheme up a goddamn defense. So I think that this Minnesota Vikings team, eight and a half is way too low, in my opinion. This team could challenge and I think will be right up there neck and neck with the Packers and the NFC North. Mike Renner calling the Vikings a top five defense. Mike Zimmer, a top five defensive coach, or top three defensive coach. Where would you position Kirk Cousins in the quarterback? <laughs> so that's the fatal flaw here. Kirk Cousins, primetime games, Monday night games, big games. He's come up woefully short over the course of his career. So I, like, I could see why Eric Eager, noted Minnesotan, would hate Kirk Cousins because he goes to the postseason, 133 postseason dropbacks. He has a 59.9 career pass grade, 7-35 and 35 against teams that finish the season with a winning record. You know, the, you're not that guy, pal meme. That's Kirk Cousins in big games because he's not that guy. But... <laughs> So I could see why, like you'd be, but regular season against you know the Detroit Lions, Kirk Cousins is going to go for like three fifty. You know, regular season games against average teams, he has money, and he has lit it up over the course of his career. And he has two top flight wideouts still, and a what should be you know knock on wood improved offensive line if Christian Darrisaw comes back healthy here. So I do think that this is a team that looks like I said over for eight and a half wins. Chicago Bears, the number eight, tied with the Minnesota Vikings, I believe, for, tied for number 18 on PFS Power Rankings, projected at 7.1 wins. DraftKings has them at 7.5. Playoff odds at 24%. That's 29th in the NFL. Where are you at with them? What is their fla f fatal flaw? The fatal flaw here, and this is something I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy, enemy is cutting both your starting tackles and your number one cornerback. That's a, that's a quick way to bring your roster to its knees. Um, we just talked about pass protection as tackles. Well, maybe don't cut both your starting tackles, roll in with a rookie who has to have back surgery and won't play this year. It's not going to be good. Seven and a half wins. Bang the goddamn under there. I like this, that, the 2018, 2018? Bears defense ain't walking through that door. Was it 2018 was the year? 2018 Bears defense ain't walking through that door. The secondary, Jalen Johnson, your number one cornerback, who had, you know, encouraging rookie year but I'm not ready to crown him heading into year two. Eddie Jackson at safety, yeah. But then Tashawn Gibson, Kendall Vildor, Duke Shelley, it, you, Khalil Mack getting a little, little-ish up there in age, although I still feel like Khalil Mack's fine. Still got a very good defensive line, but the back end of this defense, it's just I, it's worrisome. And then the offense having zero in the way of tackle pass protection is going to be scary. Or I don't care who's starting. Bottom five offensive line, bottom five quarterback room. See ya. I mean, that's where the Chicago Bears are right now. And they're expected to start Andy Dalton, which is not even going to chase an aggressive offense. It's going to be very conservative. I'd argue, too, like Allen Robinson's great, and you just said you're not going to crown Jalen Johnson. I'm not going to need to crown Darnell Mooney. I like Darnell Mooney, but as a true number two, like, I do think that this receiving core maybe has been overhyped, and I don't know if Andy Dalton and or combination of Andy Dalton and Justin Fields is going to be able to lead a legitimate offense in the NFC. Well, it's just like Andy Dalton had a better situation last year in Dallas. And still played like shit. Yeah. So do you, what do you expect him to do? It's going to look like his last year in Cincinnati, honestly, is kind of the more the closer corollary to what he had. He's used to playing behind shit offensive lines, though. Yeah. yeah. That's at this point. Experience yeah. matters. Just Fields isn't. That's why he's starting. <laughs> now, I do think that conversation, though, Fields will start at some point, but it won't be right away. It'll probably be five, six weeks in.
Last team in the NFC North here, last team for this segment, Detroit Lions. They're the actually the number 32 ranked team, the dead last team according to PFS Power Rankings. Maybe Deshaun Watson playing in Houston, that, that percentage chance it happens, keeping Houston Texans from the doormat of the NFL. Their PFF wins projection is 5.4. Their over-under win total is 4.5 on DraftKings. Playoff odds, 9%, 31st in the NFL. The fatal flaw is this entire roster, or <laughs> what, what's your take? Well, the fatal flaw is you know, Jared Goff's weapons. Jared Goff has been used to a receiving core that features, you know, at its peak, 3,000-yard type of wide receivers. Right now, you have you don't even have like an 800-yard type of wide receiver in this receiving core. You got, it's like the reports were, you know, TJ Hawkinson, you brought that up the last spot, having a great camp. You know, Jared Goff's looking his way. Well, it's like, yeah, because what do you 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 want him to target Khalif Raymond, Tom Kennedy, Quintus Cephas? Like they're just, they they have the worst receiving core in the NFL, wide receiver-wise. It just is, on paper at least. It's not going to be great from that perspective. New coaching staff, year one. That's always difficult. I, I just defensively, I think there's talent there. I like what they drafted along their defensive line. Uh, I think the Aquara brothers are solid enough. I hope Jeffrey Akuda is better in year two. Hard to get worse, but there's just not when you don't have the weapons they do offensively and Penny Sewell looking like a liability at right tackle. They are just they are one of the few. They're one of the probably like I said three or four teams where it's like you don't really have super, super not even just Super Bowl aspirations there's not really playoff aspirations with a roster like this would you take the under four and a half I don't know 17 if games yeah. that, that one's like you're not even betting that because it's fluky at 17 games with anything that happens in the NFL but it's four and a half I'll just say is a fair win total with this roster so I agree with you that the receiving core is the 32nd ranked receiving core but am I crazy to think Jared Goff has been underrated to this point Jared Goff is quarterbacking the number 32 ranked team on PFS Power Rankings. Jared Goff is not the worst quarterback in the NFL. I, I, I think this is a better... Are they 32 in our Power Rankings? Yes. How are thir- they behind the Texans? I mentioned that. Maybe there's some percentage that Deshaun Watson plays. I don't know. Oh, that'd be the only way. Um, yeah. I, I, I do think he's a top 27 quarterback in the NFL. He's not bottom five. So that wouldn't be bottom five then. All right, I'll take it. I will take the Jerichoff standing. We have Prospect Primer, Trivia Six Pack, a mailbag question to close. Um, and then the interviews, obviously, with Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly and Oklahoma running back Kennedy Brooks. But before we get to those, have to mention Homefield Apparel, a new partner of the Tailgate Podcast. Homefield Apparel is a premium collegiate clothing brand out of Indianapolis, incredibly comfortable, efficiently licensed. I always say that, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. Homefield is in the middle of Big News Saturday, Season 2, where they launch a new school collection every Saturday at 12 p.m. Eastern for 16 weeks straight. They just recently released Georgia, Wisconsin, Florida. But this Saturday, we've got the North Carolina Tar Heels. We also have the Tar Heels playing on Friday. Sam Howell, let's see it. Use promo code PFF to get 15% off your first purchase at homefieldapparel.com. That is promo code PFF for 15% off. Get ready for college football tailgate season. On to... Our next segment, Prospect Primer. You threw this one at me a little a little late, but I'm excited for this one. Prospect Primer, walk us through it. Yeah, we got to give a little love to some of the top prospects each week. We're not going to do a full breakdown of all the best matchups, but we're going to throw out a few that I'm looking forward to and definitely going to be flipping on that All-22 on Sunday to watch. The first one, maybe not even on Sunday. I might be flipping this one on Friday because it's Thursday night game, Minnesota, at home, Ohio State. Zach Harris and Tyreek Smith, the edge defenders, the defensive ends for Ohio State. 
Harrison, the top 30 player on PFF's draft board, going up against Daniel Fa'alale, the big 6'9", 370, right tackle for Minnesota. That's just some hashtag fun to watch right there. That's a lot of beef, a lot of athletes going up against each other. Haven't seen Fa'alale play football since 2019. Opted out last year. Opted out last year. So, big, big look. Big uh big matchup there going down Thursday night. Check that one out. Fa'alale. Fa'alale. I think that's it. Fa'alale. Fa'alale. Yeah. Minnesota offensive tackle, for those who don't know, is six foot nine, three hundred and eighty. An absolute monster. Biggest player probably you're gonna see this weekend, if not the entire season. 54th ranked player on PFS Trapper. And also a guy that PJ Flex that has improved a ton since opting out of last year. Next on this list, Zion Nelson versus Will Anderson Jr. This one is going to be a treat. Yeah, Sia Nelson, the left tackle for Miami, going up against Will Anderson Jr., only a sophomore. So Will Anderson Jr., he's a little uh, fake ID segment candidate there. He's going to be the next, quote-unquote, big thing in Alabama. But Zion Nelson, was he was top five in Mel Kuypers. No, not Mel Kuypers. Uh, Mike, Todd McShay's mock draft. I didn't go that far. I'm still a little wary to put him that high, but he's improved a ton since his true freshman year where he was thrust in there, probably shouldn't have been starting right away, but did. Going up against Will Anderson, that's a top a matchup of probably future first-rounders right there. Two trench matchups to watch mm-hmm. this um, this weekend. Zion Nelson, the 55th-ranked player right behind Daniel Falalale. <laughs> I suck at that name. 6'5", this past year, a 51.4, or no, 70.4 PFF grade, and in 2019, a 51.4 PFF grade. Moving to probably the game of the weekend. Oh, yeah. Darion Kendrick, the Georgia corner, transfer from Clemson. First, Justin Ross, Clemson wideout. That is going to be hashtag fun to watch. Get your popcorn. That's going to be probably one of the best matchups of the weekend. I mean, there's there's matchups all over the place in this game. It, it's going to be an excellent Must sort, see of, TV. sort of college football playoff primer. And we have a lot of college football playoff implications. But Kendrick, the former Clemson cornerback, started his career at wide receiver. He's a five-star athlete. Now, you know, kind of got... Kind of got toasted against Ohio State last year. I don't know why he transferred. I can't, can't, didn't ever heard an exact reason, but transferred from Clemson to Georgia over the course of the offseason. Justin Ross, obviously, massive 1,000-yard freshman year. Disappointing sophomore year. Gets Has the congenital fusion, I believe is what the technical term was, in his neck. They found out, uh, found that, fixed that. Career is in jeopardy. Will be playing football, though, again. Thank you. For that, because he is a heck of a talent, massive, six foot four, two ten, physical dude. Can't wait to watch that matchup. That George game is going to be at seven thirty on Saturday. It's going to be so much talent in that one. Do you like Clemson minus three, or no. are you leaning Georgia for the Georgia job? money line? Really, Georgia's defense, man. That's a collection of talent, right? They're now. out so many players, though, so though, many injuries, so, so many on offense. They re- they are. I will say that, but I think that I think where the game's going to be sided. I think these are, for my money, the two best defensive lines in the country. Like the, the most talented defensive lines. Ohio State's in the mix for that, but I think those two, if I were to take any two, would be the ones. And offensively, Georgia's off the line is far better than Clemson's. Clemson's off the line has some issues. I think they are going to get thumped in that regard. DJ going to be running for his life a little bit. So that's where I think the game gets decided. We are on to the trivia six-pack. It's a Thursday frequent flyer in terms of segments here mike quinn producer mike quinn a guy that everyone knows and loves is going to read off questions to us three of them i believe or four of them i believe and then we have some know your co-host questions on the back end yeah 
Mike, go ahead and kick us off. Yeah, so we only got four or three today, so it's not really a six-pack. Okay. We drank half the six-pack. It's a three-pack. Yeah, so first one, who was the last QB picked first overall to win a Super Bowl? His his draft year, not the year he won a Super Bowl. I think I have an idea. Go ahead. Lat. Go ahead. I'm going to say Eli Manning. It's Eli. Actually, no, it's Joe Burrow. And tw- uh, no, it's Eli Manning. <laughs> Uh, yeah, 2003 won Super Bowls in 2007 and 2011. Uh, you guys ready for a second? I forgot that, who's the number one overall pick. That reminds me of that super disingenuous tweet by, who was it, that said, like, there hasn't been a quarterback drafted number one overall who won a Super That's Bowl right. with his franchise, just like because Eli Manning got drafted by the Chargers and mm-hmm. John Elway got drafted by, what, the Bucks or whoever it was. Colts. Both, the Colts. They both, both end up winning Super Bowls, but not for the team that drafted them. Bullshit. Yeah. Next one. All right, here we go. Number two. Oh, this one's this is a layup, Max. Uh, number two, Austin. If you don't get this, uh oh, it's well, we'll just go into it. This Hall of Fame running back was taken second overall in 1994, the highest drafted San Diego State Marshall player. Falk. Yep, I told you that one was a layup. That's a layup. That's a layup. Max being a friend to me right now. You love to see yeah, it. No, I, yeah, no, yeah. I was also born. I was also born in 1994, which I'll take. All right, here we go. Last one, number three. Uh, know your alma mater. Name the last five first-round picks from Notre Dame. Do you oh, guys want a hint, or do you know You're it? not going to have no hints. There's no way I'm going to know this. Mike, you need this. to get this. There's no way I'm going to know this. Um, Mike McGlinchey. Jerry Tillery. Mike McGlinchey. Yep, yep. Quentin Nelson. Yep. Oh, Shiza. This was good. Tyler Eifert. Negative. That too far back. It's too far back. Too far back. Five goodness. since then? Uh, Ronnie Stanley. Yep. And hint for the last one? Uh, Jalen this, Smith. No, you didn't. No, the first round, the second round. Damn it. Offense. Offense. Oof. I'm so bad at this. I have no idea. Um, I don't either. I'm, what is it? It's probably another office lineman. Will Fuller. Will Fuller. Oh, 2016. We're all idiots. I see. All right. Personal know your co host question. What hairstyle did I have in middle school? Oh, gosh. Knowing you, you probably had like a mohawk. I did have a mohawk. Let's bonus, go. bonus, bonus point. What color was it? green fuck you got it that's it i had a green Jalen mills baby love to see it um you were a trendsetter all right mine is how old is my dog riggins six named after tim riggins he's five oh. about to turn six next month close. good close good guess though riggins my guy riggins is my guy last one here mailbag question this is a monster yeah so love only one commitment. submission in the mailbag actually there's two but one was kind of dogging a client of ours that we can't ask. <laughs> we can't technically answer truthfully. But yeah. mailbag, this one, they said, give me starting 11 of defensive players and put them on offense. And then vice versa, give me a starting 11 of offensive players on defense. You went in on this one. I did. This one took me like, I, I did this one for about a half Read the, the last, skill positions off for The me. half hour before this podcast, I was doing this. So quarterback was the toughest one. I went with Chas Surratt because he has played quarterback the most recently. I hate that pick. I know. Like a North Carolina linebacker who played quarterback as recently as, what, 2019? So that's why I went. Patrick Peterson was an option there because I remember in All or Nothing, he was he would do the throwing drills with the quarterbacks and try to hit the trash can. He would win sometimes, which uh, I think he won more than who was Drew Stanton. Uh, I think so Patrick Peterson's a Stanton. better pick than Ch- Chas Surratt. Maybe, maybe we go Patrick Peterson there. Because we're going to run the triple option. Yeah. Wide receivers, we went. Jalen Ramsey and Derwin James. I debated Xavier and Howard. He's got good ball skills. I think he'd probably be a wide receiver also. But those are the two I went with. Tight end. Tight end was tough. I I wanted a little bit more speed here. But I think Miles Garrett, so he's like 275 oh and God. runs a 4.64. If he trims down 10, 15 pounds, he'd be in the 4.5s. 
that'd be the nice speed you want. Obviously, J.J. Watt has played tight end, but getting a little up there in age, doesn't have the speed you want. I like Garrett. So Miles Garrett's my tight end. Running back, Devin White. Box linebacker, 4-4 speed at 230. That'll play. Yeah, that'll do it. Uh, fullback, Micah Parsons, 245, running a 4-4. Yes, please. Like that, Pretty much that's any who I, player that's like 220-plus and runs a 4-4, it should be your running back. That's who I want leading through the hole. Um, oh, man, I can't believe I left off actually Nick Ballore on this team because he's a good two-way player. He no, can do both. No. But Maybe QB. Yeah. Um, left tackle, Eric Armstead. If you'll, I like remember, that. if you'll remember him back in the day, he was a five-star tackle coming out of high school. Got to chase length. And wanted to play defensive line, said he didn't want to play tackle. So he goes to Oregon and plays defensive tackle there. Vita Vea, left guard, or like Mike Ayupati clone. That, love that fit. Center, had to get him in here, Aaron Donald. That one's a no-brainer. I almost thought about putting Aaron Donald at running back. Fullback even. Or fullback. But center, you needed the athlete there. Right guard, Quinnen Williams. I thought also Kenny Clark here could be a good guard. Um, but we want Quinton Williams, athlete. Get some If we want to run some stretch plays, Quinton will do that for us. Right tackle, Chris Jones. Uh, I think he could easily step in and play tackle for us. Um, defensively Arm, now. Armstead, Armstead and Jones at tackle I love. I thought that was going to be harder. But Armstead and Jones, two long-arm guys, athletic. I think that was a win. I thought DeForest Buckner, too, could fit Absolutely. in at right tackle was my other option there. But Chris Jones, he goes there. Defensive side of the ball. We got some beef heading up our DTs here. Quentin Nelson and Tristan Wirfs. Love that. You want line of scrimmage to get reset? Get Quentin Nelson and Tristan Wirfs in there. I also thought Trent Williams could be, but he's a little up there in age. Let's get the younger guys in. Edge edge was tough, but I went, I think tight ends, obviously the biggest corollary, but body type-wise. George Kittle, Kyle Pitts. Those are my edge rushers. Pretty happy with that. Yeah. I think those guys would rake. Linebacker. A.J. Brown and Chase Claypool. Oh, my God. That's a hashtag fun to watch. You're not chasing court. running back at linebacker like a Derrick Henry out there? A.J. Brown's 230. Chase Claypool's 238. Those guys, that's those are good athletes. Change the direction ability. Running backs, they just don't have the length. I, I, I wouldn't Fair. say. like you, you want a little bit longer. Uh, actually, I don't think I put a single running back on this roster. Wow. PFF continues <laughs> to continues Just to rough. I just don't need guys that are beat up, you know? I mean, Derrick Henry along the edge legs. would be... I think Derrick Henry could come in and replace Kittle or Pitts. I, I could see that. Um, cornerbacks now. Stefan Diggs at one. That one with his movement skill, speed. I think that one's a no-brainer. Terry McLaurin at the other. A little bigger, but 4-3 speed. Yep. Like that. My nickel, Debo Samuel. Need someone that could tackle. Need a little bit more physical there. 5'11", 215. Debo gives me that. Oh, shit. I doubled up. I, I effed this up, actually. Strong safety. Oh, you have Debo Samuel as well. I had Debo well. again. Why did I screw that up? Who was I going to put at strong safety? You It was going to be a different that. wide receiver. Well, I screwed that one up. It was going to be, you know who it was going to be? It was going to be Cooper Cup at strong safety and then Tyree Kill at free safety. Tyree Kill at free safety was an obvious one. I think the strong safety one, are you not looking for a little more beef than Cooper Cup? I wanted like the change direction ability and coverage. He was a really good three-cone guy. Um, could use a little more beef, though. Could lose more beef. Who are you beef. thinking? I'd, I'm trying to think in my head right now. Um thinking like a running back that could be where a running back yeah running back in. and strong safety Javante Williams maybe there oh wow that could be a guy what about McCaffrey what about him you don't like McCaffrey at strong safety I mean you need someone that's gonna bowl someone over at strong safety you don't think McCaffrey's gonna bowl someone over <laughs> I like Javante fair enough well yeah. that's gonna do it that is the tailgate podcast for Thursday AFC and NFC North division previews uh trivia all that stuff now let's get to the interviews with Notre Dame head coach Brian Kelly and Oklahoma running back Kennedy Brooks 
Now joining the Tailgate Podcast is current Notre Dame head coach, Brian Kelly. Great to have you on the show, my friend. It is going to be a year for Notre Dame, so much that Mike and I are actually going to four games this year, one at Soldier Field, Wisconsin, and three in South Bend, UC, UNC, and USC. So we're going to become close friends. I think we're going to become close friends, big fans of Notre Dame on the show. Well, again, I, I think that when you talk about some of the games that you just mentioned, um, we're going to have to be because we're going to rely a lot on PFF for all the information that we get from you guys. So uh, we appreciate that relationship and uh, uh, we're going to need it because those those are really fine football teams. But it'll be exciting and uh, get a chance to see some really good football. That's fantastic to hear. Where I'd like to start is I think the biggest you know, looming thing around Notre Dame is Jack Cohn. This transfer from Wisconsin coming in with high expectations to lead a very good top to bottom roster at Notre Dame. What have, you know, what are your expectations for Cohn coming in year one at Notre Dame? And I guess, what are your early impressions through install and what you guys have done this offseason? Well, I think when you think about the quarterback position, you know, you, you want consistency and performance and he's been that. Uh, every day since he stepped on this campus. And, you know, that's why he's our starter. Um, every single day, you know what you're going to get from Jack Cohn. There, He is not a guy that, um, you know, you come to practice and go, where did that come from? Uh, you know what to expect from him. He delivers. And um, I, I think that, for me, is one of the reasons why he's not one of my concerns going into the Florida State game. You know, we've got some young guys that are going to step on the field for the first time. We've got a true freshman left tackle. You know, we've got some younger guys that haven't played much uh, at the wide receiver position. But at quarterback, uh, I got a lot of confidence in, in Jack Cohn uh, and his ability to deliver for us. I'm going to go to the flip side of the ball. Defense, where a new defense coordinator, Marcus Freeman, takes over. What did you see from him at his time at UC that made you tab him as that next guy? You know, what I like when I watch defense, I like teams that play fast and free and physical. And to do that, um, you have to have the ability to communicate with your group effectively. And you could see that, you know, first of all, he's a defensive coordinator that likes to be on the sideline. So there's a great connection with his players um, during the game while he's making adjustments. And I just loved his ability to communicate with his group throughout the game and that element of, you know, playing fast, free and physical um, kept showing up um, in everything that he touched uh, as a defensive coordinator. When you have, you know, your coordinator. So Marcus Freeman obviously comes over at UC last year. He ran man coverage about twice as often as you guys did at Notre Dame. How much do you give him autonomy to basically install what he wants to install? And how much are, is it you as a head coach saying, I want to be X, Y, Z type of coverage defense, X, Y, Z type of fronts. Yeah. So, so we're, we're having a basic, you know, philosophical conversation about, you know, how I see our defense and, and how I want to play it based upon what the schedule looks like here at Notre Dame. Remember now, you know, we play Navy, you know, so we're playing a triple option team. You know, we're playing, um, you know, a spread team like USC. So we're playing a variety of different, um, you know, offensive structures. So, um, you know, I've seen what that looks like over 13 years as, as, as an independent. And, you know, I share that philosophy with Marcus and I share it in, 
when I'm looking for a defensive coordinator that we have that connection. So I think I knew that going in that we were going to hit it off. Um, so I give him a little bit of guidance and, and then it's his, it's his job to go install the defense accordingly. Offensive coordinator Tommy Reese, you know, so much of the spotlight is on Jack Cohn and rightfully so, but mentioned how much he loves these two running backs, Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree. He said in an interview that he wants to get them on the field as much as possible, even going to the point where they're on the field at the same time. How has that progressed this offseason? And I guess how excited are you for Reese to deploy these two backs? Yeah, well, they're playmakers, right? And I think one of the responsibilities that we have as, as coaches is to put playmakers in a position to, to make plays. And so, you know, Chris Tyree can't help us standing next to me. And so, you know, getting him on the field with a Kyron Williams and being in 21 personnel um, is, is part of what our offense is going to look like. And, you know, look, last year, I think you guys recognized the fact that we were leaning on a veteran offensive line. So, you know, the look of our offense really was evolving around our offensive line. This year, it needs to evolve around the playmakers that we have. And so that's why you're going to see um, these guys on the field at the same time, because that's what this offense needs to look like. Another guy in that offense who's from right down the street here in Covington, Michael Mayer, tight end, electric freshman year. Notre Dame, obviously known for their tight end pedigree. A lot of good ones over the years. How good can this guy be in the sort of history of Notre Dame tight ends? Yeah, I get that question asked quite a bit, and it's a <laughs> difficult one to answer, as you know, because, uh, you know, I've had such great tight ends here at Notre Dame, and each one of them, you know, can stand on their own two feet as, you know, uh, the best, right, that, 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 that has come out of Notre Dame. Mike's in that category. Um, he does some things that are so unique. It, I think the thing that I think Mike does that, that I think in some instances uh, for me um, separates him is it's effortless. It comes so easy to him. Um, you know, catching the ball at full speed, never breaking stride, um, the ability to go up in traffic and make the difficult catches you know, those are separators from, from great to elite. And that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about good to great. We've had great tight ends. What makes you elite? And I think that those are some of the things that I pointed out that make him elite. So he's not the only uniquely sort of talented individual in that roster. You got a guy on defense by the name of Kyle Hamilton, who top five on PFF's 2022 draft board. Have you had a guy over the course of your coaching career that is as versatile in his skill set and what Kyle Hamilton brings to the table? Uh, no, I don't think we've had the kind of versatility uh, that he brings because of his length. You know, length makes up for so many things. Um, you know, you're a step behind, but you've got the reach to knock the ball down. You can get to a tackle. Um, you know, obviously, you know, with his size, you know, the ability to fit runs, you know, you could do so many things with Kyle Hamilton. He's in so many windows in the passing game that he disrupts throws and timing. Um, no, he's a unique player. And a lot of that is by virtue of his athleticism and his size and length uh, that I've never had a player uh, that plays that particular position, the safety position uh, and plays it at, at such a high level. We've seen in recent years with guys like Isaiah Simmons coming out in the draft or 
uh, Derwin James, where they, they have similarly a unique sort of, they can do a lot of different things. And defense coordinators oftentimes say they're worried to draft those guys are worried to carve out a, a role for them that takes advantage of that. Because once that guy goes down, or if that guy goes down, then you can't have a guy to step in and replace that role. Is that something that you you guys have had discussions about uh, as a staff? No, I mean, I think what's incumbent upon us is to put our kids in the position where they can succeed for us right now. And, and certainly we, we don't want to dead end them. In other words, put them in a position where you can't project them in the NFL. If you can't project Kyle Hamilton as a safety in the NFL, uh, that's your fault. I mean, <laughs> it, it, that that's, I can't help you there. Um, you know, we we ran into this last year with Jeremiah Wusu Karamoa, and you know, every NFL GM is asking me about, you know, where do you play him? I said, look, he's a playmaker on defense. I mean, figure it out. Like, go into the staff room. I'm banging the table. Give me Jeremiah Wusu Karamoa. I'll figure it out. And sometimes we get in in the way of ourselves in terms of defense and and pigeonholing guys. Figure it out. They're playmakers. Kyle Hamilton's a playmaker. Figure it out. I'm sure, you know, new defense coordinator Marcus Freeman is having a great time figuring that out for Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. He's talent at safety. Uh, and he's also preparing for a Florida State offense that, you know, to be honest, we don't know a ton about. With Mackenzie Milton, the new starter there at Florida State, has not played a ton of football of late. How are you guys approaching, you know, preparing for that offense, knowing that we don't, you know, we know what Milton was before the injury, but we don't know what he is now. How has that preparation gone for Freeman and company? Well, you have to prepare for both quarterbacks, right? I mean, you know, Mil Milton certainly is an outstanding quarterback, and uh, I think everybody knows about the work that he did at uh, UCF and, and certainly outstanding. But, I mean, to me, th this is Travis's offense. I mean, you know, this offense has been set up. Mike Norvell likes a running quarterback. Um, so we're preparing for the runner and Travis. And uh, if things don't go well, um, you know, Mackenzie Milton, we know about his ability to throw at a high level, but um, you know, I, again, we're preparing for both, but you know, we think that Travis is the guy that, um, you know, really is the energy behind this offense. Yeah. How much do you really prepare for these early season games when you don't know exactly what their schemes necessarily going to look like or what they're going to do on both sides of the ball, Scott Frost, Nebraska head coach sort of infamously said last weekend, half his game plan went out the window when they just saw what defensive front they lined up on, on the defensive line. How much do you basically focus on what you can do as a team versus what you think the other team might do in these games where you don't have a lot of tape? Yeah. He should try being independent where you're not in a conference and, each week you play somebody new. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what Scott, you know, meant by that. But, um, I mean, you have to prepare your team for three down and four down because, you know, that's that's what's out there. And, um, you know, we played Florida State last year and they ran exclusively three down against Miami. And they came in against us and they ran four down and we ran for 300 yards. So, you have to be prepared for three down and four down offensively. We've got to be prepared for both quarterbacks. Um, and, and look, at the end of the day, you got to get your cleats in the ground. And, and as I said earlier, you got to run, um, you got to play fast. You got to play physical. And from an offensive standpoint, you got to execute your offense. And sometimes, you know, the scheme is what it is and you, you don't want to be too mechanical. You don't want to be too robotic. And, 
if you execute better than the team executes their defense, it really doesn't matter what they're in. Coach, this has been fantastic. We really appreciate the time. and really looking forward to seeing you September 25th when you're preparing for your fourth victory this season. Obviously, the record there at Notre Dame. A lot of exciting stuff for Notre Dame this season. Thanks again for all the time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for what you guys do with PFF, too. Now joining the Tailgate Podcast is current Oklahoma back Kenny Kennedy Brooks. Kennedy, great to have you on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Do you, do you go by Kennedy or KB? I feel like if anyone's initials are KB, you kind of have to go by KB. Yeah, so a lot of my teammates, a lot of people I'm close with call me KB. Uh, people outside of football just call me Kennedy. So it's, right. it's either one. There you go. Well, I'll stick to Kennedy for now. But where I'd like to start is obviously looking at, um, you know, this past season and and what your priorities were over the opt-out. You know, what were you prioritizing in the offseason? I know you were looking to get more explosive, um, mm-hmm. you know, fixed diet, fixed weight room, all these different things. I guess what were you what were your goals over the opt-out season? And I guess how do you how, how do you feel about the results? Uh, I'm I'm very happy about the results. Um, see, my goal was to just to get just to better myself, better shape, uh, lean down, be more explosive, like you said. And it came out, it came out good. And uh, and honestly, I'm really, I'm probably the best shape, the best speed, and uh, and best explosive I ever been. So I worked on all all aspects of my game uh, with catching the ball. Running routes is everything. So I, I was just prioritizing everything, honestly. Yeah, that's probably the best way to do it. What weight are you uh, planning to play at this season? Uh, 214, 215. Gotcha. Very cool. And where'd you play at the year before? Obviously, the opt out. Ooh, the year before, I, mean, I was heavy, man. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was a little bit chubby. I was uh, around 217, 218. Gotcha. There you go. That's only a couple pounds, man. That's not too heavy. You're good. You're good. Um, nah, nah. It was heavy. It was, it was major heavy. <laughs> Couldn't even run at that weight. I was like, ooh, I got to drop this. That's so, incredible. Yeah, so I'm at – so I during the season, like I'm 214 right now. I'll probably – probably during the season, I'll probably stick around 212, 213. So, yeah. There you go, man. That's awesome. Uh, good to hear. Some some recent news that's coming out of Oklahoma. Uh, you know, Trey Bradford uh, leaving leaving the program, the sophomore running back, leaving just you and Eric Gray in that backfield. How does that kind of shift your expectations or your goals for this season? I, I guess speak to the relationship you have with Gray. Uh, it really don't shift anything. Uh, man, it's sad that he left. Um, I don't I don't know why he left. Um, but um, <clears throat> other than that, I mean, the goals are still the same, man. I just want to. I just want to go out there, have fun with my teammates, and just prove that I'm the, I'm the best out there in my position. I mean, that's that will always be the goal. I mean, that's that should be everybody's goal if you if you have goals. I mean, if you're ambitious and want to be big. So that's uh and my relationship with Eric, I mean, we're close. I mean, he helps me out a lot. Man, he he been pushing me a lot. So man, he's he's a great guy on on and off the field. So uh, I'm actually really happy that he's here. Over the opt-out, did you have an opportunity to watch any film on yourself or even turn film on some other college backs or NFL backs? I, I guess, what was your film approach over the 2020 season? Uh, yeah, so I watched, I watched film on every practice they had. Um, I was still connected with that. And also, uh, I watched every game. Uh, so I was, just, I was just locked into just studying what can I do to make the, uh, help, help the offense and help this team just be better. So I just – so I worked on everything, kept my uh, film studies uh, up so I can just be, uh, what's about, what's it called, like keep my vision and keep uh, staying focused on that. That's fantastic. Well, uh, in yeah. order to be the best, you know, I know you have goals set to be, you know, the best back in the Big 12, best back in the country. Who are some other backs? I mean, there's a lot of talented backs in the Big 12. Who do you think you're competing with the most? Who do you think has the best chance to kind of top you to be the best back in the Big 12? 
I mean, it's a lot of guys, man. It's a dude from K-State. It's a dude from Iowa State, dude from Texas. Uh, I mean, it's a lot of splatter running backs, man. They're, they're all good. Uh, and then national-wise, I mean, we got a dude from Bama. We got dudes from, uh, I think, I, think, uh, I want to say uh, North Carolina. It's, 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 it's <laughs> so much. Like, it's so, like so many dudes out there. So much. It's, I mean, they're all good. They're all, they're all great. So it's going to be pretty fun competing with them. Yeah, sure. NCAA is loaded with talent at the running back position. Yeah. Deuce Vaughn's that guy from Kent State, the smaller back that's just been electric yeah. for them over the past yeah, past year plus. Um, looking ahead to this season, I, I, I want to hear you know so much of the spotlight is going to be on this kid, Spencer Rattler, a guy that is mm-hmm. right now the favorite to win the Heisman, one of the favorites to be the number one overall pick. I mean, this guy's been under the bright light since high school. Right. How talk about Spencer Rattler and how he's approaching this season and the work that you've done with him. And I guess, you know, a, a, another person to speak to the relationship you have with him. Uh, man, he's just, man, he's a great guy. He's very humble, very uh, confident. And man, he just, he's just pushing that work and just grinds. Uh, man, he, he don't really think about all them big things. He comes in every day, uh, trying to get better himself that day. So, I mean, coming in, he's a great leader. Uh, man, he just he just pushes everybody to be great, and he helps me out a lot. Uh, we talk a lot uh, during practice about what what we need to see and what what needs to happen. So we, uh, my, this will be my first time ever playing with him. So mm-hmm. it'll, it'll be really exciting, man. He's very electric too. Yeah, that's awesome that the first impressions are all that humble and confident. I think you kind of have to block some of that stuff out. If you're Spencer Rattler, you know, everyone yeah, expects sure. you to be fantastic. It's sometimes harder to kind of, you know, play under those expectations. Uh, same mm-hmm. question goes for, for Lincoln Riley. You know, Lincoln Riley has had a ton of success at Oklahoma and has honestly put, you know, everyone in that offense in a very good position to score a ton of points. Right. Uh, I guess give me your opinion of his coaching style and how much he's helped this offense. I mean, his, his coach style is great. I mean, he he puts in that humble and that, that confidence in all of us. So, man, we he don't even think about the bit, the bedtime stuff. He comes in, hey, man, if we're going to have goals and we want to do what we say we want to do, we just got to come in and get better every single day. So he just pushes us. He he grinds with us. Uh, man, we're honest, without him, we probably wouldn't be here. I mean, he all the coaches, man, they, they push us to do so much great things. And without them, man, they make it, they make it easier on us. So they do all the hard work. We're just playing. A <laughs> couple more questions for you, Kennedy. I'll let you go. Uh, fans are back in the stands in 2021. Mm-hmm. We're going to have Oklahoma full stands there. I know you have Tulane in the first week, but, man, who, what is a game on your schedule right now that you have circled in Sharpie to be excited to play in this year? Uh, you know, I, don't, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's every team. Man. I, don't, I don't look over <laughs> Uh, nobody's. I mean, there's so many, so many great teams, so many great uh, competition out there. Uh, what I'm, since I, I wish I played last year, but they played against them. I, I can't wait to play against Texas and Iowa State, man. And oh, and Kansas too. You know, those three teams, they, they lost to them last year. Uh, and then, well, they lost to K State and Iowa State last year, but uh, it was a tough game versus Texas. So I can't wait to play in those atmospheres, man. It's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be exciting. <laughs> God, I man, I, I just can't wait for it. It's gonna be pretty cool. Dude, I am looking forward to that as well. This college football season is going to be one for the history books for sure. Last yes. thing for you, Kennedy. I know you currently have a way for fans to subscribe to a service or a website that allows them to text you all throughout the season as much as they want. Talk more about yes. that and, and plug that. Uh, it's by uh, all right. So it's by subtext. Um, mm-hmm. so you can you can go. Uh, it's called Chop It Up with Chop It Up with KB or Kennedy, either one. Uh, <laughs> and 
And uh, you can literally subscribe. It's $5. Uh, it's free for the first 14 days. Um, and you can just text me, uh, ask me any questions. I mean, all, all throughout the month, man. I, I, I'm good at responding. I'm good at uh, being active with my fan. That's why I wanted to do this. I'm doing this for y'all. And I, mean, I just can't wait to, uh, to start that and, and be and get closer to y'all, man. I love uh, I love trying to get to know people, and I and I love to answer any question that anybody has. That's awesome, man. I might have to fire you some texts before that Texas game, just to make sure you're mentally prepared. You know, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna give you a scatter always. report. Get you a scatter report. Really appreciate the time, Kennedy, and we'll have to get you on again soon. Best of luck this season. Uh, thank you. And also, uh, I'm coming out with a with some uh, a brand uh, mm-hmm. with my logo on it. Um, this this the shop's gonna be called Kennedy Brooks uh, Dot Store. Mm-hmm. It's coming out. It will come out today. So, man, it would be pretty cool if y'all support me and uh, uh, wear my stuff, man. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. I have to, I'm going to have to fire you some tax, get a KB shirt. I don't know. I might be the big Kennedy Brooks' biggest fan after this. Who knows? We'll yes, see how sir. it goes, man. Yes, <laughs> really appreciate the time, man. Thanks again. No, thank you. Dude, you absolutely crushed that Brian Kelly interview. I was wondering, you don't come in on a lot of head coaching interviews. You were in there a little nervous. You could see it. You crushed that. You absolutely crushed that. I was shaking, in fact. It was because I was freezing cold, actually. In the studio was cold. But I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I bring my A game. When I put the Notre Dame faithful, you got it. I mean, obviously the most interesting thing from he there. He brought his A game. He brought his A game. Kyle Hamilton's the most versatile player he's ever had. Spoke highly of Jack Cohn and Michael Mayer. And then is preparing against Florida State this weekend for um, Travis, Jordan Travis, rather than Mackenzie Milton. I think a lot of people expected Mackenzie Milton to start in that game, but he's preparing for both quarterbacks. We'll end up seeing that. Until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, Mike Quinn, Max Chadwick, tailgate.